0: Maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. If you have your Bibles ready, today we'll be in Genesis chapter 8, verses 1 through 22. The title of this sermon is, Noah Waited and Worshipped God. Here is the first half of this two-part study. So, um, the last time we were in Noah, in Noah, in the book of Genesis, in chapter 7, uh, we were dealing with the global flood. Uh, we saw that the, the, the atmosphere, the uh, blanket of the atmosphere that, that was co- uh, covering the earth, that actually didn't allow UV rays, you didn't have any of that stuff happening. Uh, God opened up those and then he allowed the, the, uh, the waters underneath to, to break forth. And and one of the things I love is Christian was actually watching the video last week and he had a question. He was like, "Well, where did where did all the water go after the flood?" So we'll actually answer that question tonight. I love that because that's what you want. You see a video, you have more questions, there should be questions. And they you want uh to know the answers for sure. And so we have um Noah, uh, we know it's 40 days and 40 nights floating, no steering. God is, is steering the the ark, and um, and then you got about 150 days as they are on the great expanse of the water, and um, it's it's just to remember that God is is in control, and His protection is over Noah and his family, and and so. You know, I, I always remember that song Jesus Take the Wheel and when I think of Noah I think about that song because I think man here's Noah he has no control his family's in the ark um, and, and he has over 50,000 animals that he has to tend to and, and God is, is taking care of all of them because God is sovereign but the question I have for you is like are you allowing God to guide your life are you allowing God to steer your life? Are you allowing God to, uh, to move and direct you in the path that, that you need to go? So we have the, the flood of the account, the global flood that's happened. We have perhaps, I guess, you know, we talked about it being somewhere around between five and six billion people are dead. I think that's the thing that we really need to focus on is that, that God's wrath was pronounced... And happened, and it was sovereign. But we also see the mercy and the grace because God saw that Noah was righteous, and told him and the family, "Come on to the ark." And this is a man that has built the ark. And, and and one of the things I love is that he preached for 120 years. 120 years for hard hearts, and the only people that get on the boat is his family. And unfortunately, we talked about how the, the, the Noah's account is a account of the flood is a, is an account that's going to happen for the entire world again. There'll be a flood of fire in the second coming of Christ. And the ark is a type of Christ. We talked about in Genesis chapter seven, verse one. It says, Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark and you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this in this generation. And we know that as they enter into the ark in John chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, it says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And I will go in and out and find pastor. And this is a key that people don't pay attention to is in John chapter 10, verse 10. He is the door. But it says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. And I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Jesus is the only way. The only door on the ark was, the only door that you can get through for salvation is Jesus Christ. That's why it says in Genesis 7 16, so that they entered male and female, all flesh went in as God commanded, and the Lord shut him in. And the Lord will shut the door again. Genesis chapter, or in uh, Matthew chapter 24, verses 37 through 38, it says, but as the days of Noah were, also will the coming of the Son of Man, for as many, uh, for as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came, and took them all away, so that, uh, so also uh, will the coming of the Son of Man be? It's a reminder here that there is a, a narrow gate and a wide gate. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14, it says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the wide gate is, uh, the wide gate is, and, and, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because the narrow gate and difficult is the, is the way which it lead, leads to life. And there are few who find it. I think that's the thing that you need to remember out of chapter 7. This family, billions were on the wide gate. Narrow, very few, very few that went through the door. And Jesus is the only door. If you don't believe that, that's fine. We don't push our Christianity on people. God gives you free will. You have the choice to follow him or not. But at some point in Philippians chapter nine, verse eleven, it says, "Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, and those on earth, and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father." Judgment is coming, the second coming or the second judgment of Christ, the second coming of Christ. There is a judgment that's coming. It will be one of fire. There will be a rapture, and then there will be a tribulation and a false peace. And yet Noah preached for 120 years to hardened hearts. It always comes down to the question of are you going to go through the door? If Jesus is the only way and He is the door, will you go through it? Again, it's that question that you need to ask and start asking people, will you meet me in heaven someday? Because that's where I'm going to be. My sins are forgiven. I'm no longer, I'm at peace with God. I'm no longer separated from God from my sin. And yet only eight people out of the billions. Noah received mercy and grace because God found him to be righteous. Righteous. And the beauty of that is in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 7 it says by faith being divinely warned of things not yet seen. By faith Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen moved with godly fear prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became their heir of righteousness which is according to faith. see. Did did Noah play down the gospel of God about righteousness for the kingdom of God is at hand? Repent? Noah was saying, hey, there's a flood coming. There's there's rain coming. The only place you're going to be safe is in the ark. And they didn't listen. The earth's opened up and the heavens opened up and the rain is coming out of the you got water coming out of the, the springs and under the earth, and, and then now you got it over the earth, and now we have a flood, a global flood. In Genesis chapter 8, verse 1, it says, But, re- but God remembered Noah. We need to deal with that statement first. So, did God forget Noah? No. Okay? You have to understand that, that God doesn't need to be reminded of things. God never forgets things. It's a reminder of his, of his attributes. That God's timing is always the right timing. That God's timing is perfect. I mean, the meaning that, that is given here that, that Moses writes is Moses is writing it for man to understand. And it's a a, a crazy word called anthropomorphism. That's all it means, is that this was written for man to understand. It's like when we talk about the hand of God, it's written for man to understand. Because we have finite minds, we have to remember his attributes. It always goes back to his attributes. God remembers, God does not forget. He remembers his promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 19, verses 27 through 29. And Sodom and Gomorrah is being destroyed. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. Then he looked towards Sodom and Gomorrah and towards all the land of the plain. And he saw and behold the smoke of the land which went up like a smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities, uh, cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow and he overthrew the cities in which Lot dwelt. Remember, God remembered as Abraham was, you know, is, is there 20 that are righteous in the city? Are there 10? And yet God remembered that he needed to take care of Lot promised Abraham. He keeps his promises. God remembers Rachel. In Genesis chapter 30, verses 22 through 24. uh, 24, It says, Then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her and opened her womb. And she conceived and bore a son and and, and said, God has taken away my reproach. So she called his name Joseph and said, The Lord shall add to me another son. So God remembers Noah and at this point he's going to deal with the next thing on on the agenda and, and it's written for the, our point of view for us to understand just remember that it's written for man to understand that's how Moses writes it so he always will act on our behalf he always will, will, will act on our behalf in his timing because he's faithful It says, But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark, and God made the wind blow over the earth and the water of society. The wind. I love this word. It's called Ruach, and it's the Spirit of God. In the Hebrew, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, it's the same word that's used for the Holy Spirit. The earth was without form and void and the darkness was on the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Ruach. And he draws back the water. And this is what we need to remember is that this time the continents are breaking up. The mountains are being thrust up you have volcanoes that are are creating new islands like Hawaii. And eventually he'll close up the, just like he turns off a faucet at your house. It's just going to turn off the water like that. And it's important for us to understand it's the ruach, the wind and God sends the Spirit. It's the same that when you, when you think about the, as they head out of Egypt, as the water is held back, as they walk through the sea. In, in Exodus chapter 14, verses 21 and 22, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind and all that night and made the sea into dry land. And the waters were divided, so children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on the right hand and on the left. So if if you can get past Genesis chapter 1, those first few verses, and you believe that, you're not going to have a problem with the rest of it. That's why Genesis is such an important piece of Scripture. It's like you have to be able to believe. Like if I read that and I go, well, he created the heavens and the earth I'm like I'm good with that the earth was without void and the darkness was on the face of the these and the Spirit of God was hovering over the faces of the water and think about it this is the same thing back in Genesis chapter 1 has happened again the waters covered the earth God has judged the earth washed it clean That's why it's important. You gotta be able to accept that first piece. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So if you can't get past that, you're gonna struggle with the rest of the part of the Bibles. When you look through the, the different books of the Bible, you're gonna, you're gonna struggle. Because when I read that the wind blew back, I'm like, okay. I don't need to try to outthink God. But that's what we do sometimes. Now we know that the the, as we read that. As we read that that the and God made the wind blow over the earth and the water subsided. So now we understand that that. God made a wind blow and and it's all under His control because He's sovereign. He's totally in control. Nothing just happens on this earth without God being in control. When you think about every earthquake or hurricane, God is in control. Every tornado that sweeps across the, the earth, God is in control. The floodgates of the sky stopped and the water canopy was gone. The hose is turned off, just like you would turn it off outside at your faucet. and the subterranean fountains are now turned off. So where did all the water go? If you have the aquifer, right, we have water underneath the earth. You have springs in, in, I'm gonna say it probably wrong, in Lakey Texas or Leaky Texas, however you want to say it. You have the Blue Hole. It's an underground spring. Beautiful, crystal clear water. The water goes back in. The continents divide. Where does some of the water go? We have the Great Lakes. We have lakes here in Texas, even in the desert. That's where some of the water went. The Grand Canyon, the runoff is there. You see the evidence of it. You have these huge mountains. I don't know if y'all have ever seen movies where they're in the snow. I I, I remember this one movie where it was a plane crash and Ethan Hawke was in it. Now the rest of the movie was pretty rough because they had to eat each other because it was a real story. The plane crashed in the snow. They were there for months after months. And as they traveled down from the mountain, this is in South America, they traveled down from the mountain, you start seeing lakes on top of the mountains. And then from those lakes, you get waterfalls. And then they would start seeing a little bit of greenage and another lake, almost like a basin. On the on top of the mountain, and then you'd go down a little further and more lakes, and so that's where the water, as the mountains come up, you know, the subterranean uh, starts to starts to take some of the water back in, and that's what happens. And so, if you think about it, the ocean itself is twelve thousand feet deep, right? Some of the trenches of the major oceans, you know, it's it's. The trenches themselves are, are deeper than Mount Everest. And that's a great deal of water if you think about it. And So the water receded and begins to recede. In Psalm 104, verses 5 through 8, it says, You who laid the foundations of the earth so that it should not be moved forever, you covered it with the deep as with a garment. The water stood above the mountains, and yet you rebuke, they fled. At the voice, your thunder, they hastened away. They went up over the mountains. They went down into the valleys, to the place which you founded for them. In the seventh month, in and, and, and Genesis chapter 8, verse 4, it says, And in the seventh month, and on the seventeenth day of the month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat." Now that's an actual mountain. It's in Turkey. Now, I was gonna show you some videos, but nothing's been substantiated yet. So there's only certain places that they can go look. Now understand that the, when you think of Mount Ararat, there's actually more than one mountaintop. There's multiple mountaintops. And they've done expedition after expedition, and they've looked for evidence of the ark there. Now they found stuff. You can find videos, but you gotta be very careful what you're looking at online, because there's a lot of mess online. Um, but they are pictures of of, of art and, and you see them and it's unbelievable but nothing's been substantiated yet they haven't been able to get up there and, and really because turkey don't want nothing to do with it they don't want really want them up there messing with it because if it's substantiated what's happened the bible's been proven but you know what if you don't believe in the bible now an ark being found ain't going to make you believe it either Think about that just for a second, because you can do a miracle after miracle, but it's the reality of it is, is, is Jesus could have done miracle after miracle, and there's still going to be people that don't believe. They have free will; they don't have to. They don't have to believe. But when I love, I, what I love about this is God is so much in the detail. On the seventh month, on the seventeenth day of the month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. He's telling you the day it happened and where. Very specific. Down to the story. So it's not an allegory. It's not a story. It's a real, it really happened in real places. It's actually happened. And so that's when we, when we study the Bible, we need to remember that. That God is in the details. Now, I heard one pastor talking about this and he was like, man, if you look at the, the, the exact date that is given on the seventh, uh, seventh month, on the 17th day, that's the day that Christ was resurrected. And Noah means what? Rest. And we don't have rest without Christ. That's what we talked about this week. Our peace is, is with Christ. The God is in control. Every detail to every animal that is known by God is on that boat, and he's taking care of everything. Everything. And God stands outside of time. He's all-knowing. God is all-powerful. And, and sometimes, like I said, we like to, in our in our finite minds, try to outthink an infinite God. It, it, I don't understand it. In 1 Corinthians 14, it says, For God is not an author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. God is not a God of disorder. Okay? God is not a God of disorder. May I ask you this? This is just a little sidebar thing I put on here. If God is a God of order, do you think God expects His church and His children to do everything in a way that's properly in order? There should be order in what we do as a church. There should be order in what we do as we lead our families. It's like God is is promoting and and understanding and and trying to edify and, and work individually through each of us in the church. And we're going to learn that this weekend as we learn about the household of God. That we're citizens and saints of God. But I love that. He is a God of order. So... If you're doing things in disorder, you may need to step back. Step back from it just for a second and say, Man, Lord, is this what you want me to do? Because if it's all, there should be peace in what you do. Now, it doesn't mean that you're not going to hit resistance. The devil's always going to try to throw resistance. But there should be peace in what we do. There should be order in what we do as a church. And and, and it also for us as a, for me as a husband as a father there should be that same order as I lead my family. If I lead my family in disorder, I've done that for thirty nine years or for thirty nine years of my life, twenty two years of my marriage. I did that. I led a a, a disorderly house. But we, we we need to we need to understand like we should have order in what we do. Our life should not be filled with chaos. Okay, we have a God of order, a God of of, of that's not a God of confusion. If, if you think this like it's like it's just too crazy, too hectic, then they take a step back from it and just pray and ask God. God, is this what Your will is for my life? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Verse 6 in Genesis 8 says, And at, at the end of 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark that he made. So there's a hatch that he can open up. Now he can't see everything. It's, it's on the top, so it's just a little hatch. Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us or find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio pretty much wherever you can find a podcast uh, you, you can just type in sun salt and light and you'll find it